The Provoke Podcast, brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Provoke Media Podcast. This is Arun Sudaman, and I'm joined today by the CEO of Red Hill, Jacob Putten Parambil. Jacob, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Thank you so much, Arun, for having me. Um, it's doing great. Uh, we're just uh, in the midst of having our uh, global offsite in Singapore, since so very easy for mm. everyone to stand up. So it's been great mm-hmm. to meet all our colleagues uh, after so long in person. I've been traveling mm-hmm. around a bit um, and uh, seeing all our uh, new people in new places. Uh, but it's always mm-hmm. good to host them here uh, in Singapore, where is our uh, global headquarters. Indeed, yeah. And that, and that makes um, for quite a neat segue because you're hosting a global offsite. You are now increasingly a global agency. Tell us um, a little bit about your footprint. The last time we spoke, I think, was uh, was before the pandemic. So who knows, three years ago in Singapore. Yeah, um, but it's... tell us about your footprint today. Uh, today, we are in 21 cities in about mm. uh, 19 countries. Um, mm. Since we last spoke, we have increased our presence in India. Uh, we've opened an office in Seoul, with, uh, uh, about six, seven people there now. Um, we are there in three cities in Australia. Uh, mm-hmm. We've opened in Abu Dhabi and in Dubai. Uh, and we are, uh, we've got uh, a bigger team now in Berlin. And, mm-hmm. uh, and one of our senior managing directors, uh, Pranav, is now based out of Washington, D.C. Oh, wow. Okay. Which is, it's, it's very impressive growth and it's, it's relatively unique. Um, there, there aren't many other uh, homegrown agencies from Asia um, that have expanded in that fashion. We, we'll talk about that. Um, now, let's talk about globalization because you, uh, this, the, the, the idea behind this podcast um, actually I think stems from a column I wrote in January. Um, where I had been reading about the various threats facing the, I suppose, the the classical model of globalization. Um, And I wrote a column about the challenges this posed multinational networks, specifically Western-based multinational networks. Those are the ones that do still dominate our industry. Um, But Jacob, Perhaps you think that uh, the challenges facing globalization right now are not necessarily a bad thing for the global PR industry. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, when I read your article, Arun, um, you know, the key thing that stands out is also that the classical model, uh, we've seen it in other industries. We're just starting Mm. to see it in our industry right now. So Mm. let's just take the, since you're, as you informed me, you're in Bangalore right now. You know, yep. um, there was a time when, um, you know, every piece of IT infrastructure tech needed to be brought in. And, um, you know, and at that time, you know, we weren't making any of uh, supercomputers or the latest software updates and things like that. And mm-hmm. over time, what happened was there's a lot of knowledge transfer that takes place. Uh, people went mm-hmm. to work there, they started studying, they brought back their skills. 
And if you look at it now, um, both in terms of people and in terms of IT companies, um, you don't see it that you know you get the best companies if it's from a particular uh, you know, Western kind of setting. You can have it from mm -hmm. anywhere, um, mm -hmm. whether it is deep tech or consumer, you know, tech stuff. Um, it's geography independent now. You know, you could be out mm -hmm. of Estonia, you could be out of Hong Kong, anywhere. You can come up with a uh, world-class uh, IT or a tech startup. Um, similarly, I think uh, industry by industry, that transfer of knowledge is enabling um, you know global companies to come up from what traditionally would not have seen as a, a hub uh, mm -hmm. to grow uh, widely. So, if you the same you can say for the logistics industry, you know, the airline industry, um, all these things, it was predominantly uh, before a pre-global globalization uh, or the start of globalization, it was dominated by a few brands which are from the West. So mm -hmm. finally, when you even, you know, banking, you know, banking was so strong in, uh, uh, you know, the Western markets, insurance, mm -hmm. all these things. So when you come to now our industry, which is marketing communications, Historically, mm -hmm. it was very Western dominated, you know, because mm. Madison Avenue, you know, uh, similarly in London and the few places. And when the global corporates in those markets went outside, they took their Madison Avenue agency with them and they would mm -hmm. then set up uh, outposts. Yeah. Uh, but I yep. think enough time has gone by um, where a lot of people have worked in these large, um, you know, holding companies and structures and mm. they're like, yeah, this is something, you know, we could do from where we are based and it doesn't have mm. to be an outpost. We are one of the hub mm. cities in the world and yep. this is something we can really build on. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, there are so many experienced uh, people and what this is being aided by is also by the rise of the Asian brands. So what mm. we are seeing now is, is, you know, there's, for example, I can take the example of Bioformus, which is a small, or was a small uh, angel stage company. Um, and, you know, they've expanded quite quickly. They're now valued at close to a billion or more. Um, and when these startups and VCs from this region started going into other markets, they basically said, hey, why don't mm -hmm. you come with us? Why don't you help us set up uh, these things? So that mm. uh, helps a long, um, uh, long way. It goes a long way in uh, helping a brand from here in marketing communications set up all this presence. And mm. there is also an ecosystem factor, especially for companies that are based out of Hong Kong uh, and in Singapore, uh, because the uh, Singaporean companies are buying and investing into multinational companies now. So it kind mm -hmm. of levels the pay playing field for an Asian agency to uh, set up uh, these sectors. Uh, just to yeah. add here, I don't, I know I'm going on talking and talking, but just to add here, um, one other aspect is also that um, um, we are able to now attract talent from different parts of the world. Um, mm. And there is also, um, earlier you would set up a company of size in a particular market or a region and then mm. you will tie up into a joint venture with a global company saying that, okay, mm. well, all our Asian work, all these things, we'll give it to you. You give us all your you know, international work. Mm -hmm. But uh, now we're, we're seeing that hey, it's not that difficult. We could even buy an agency in a market, which is not traditionally where we are strong in. We can mm. also hire the best people and we can service 
uh, clients going from Asia to these markets because um, you know mm-hmm. Asian companies and brands are expanding in Eastern Europe, they're expanding in Africa, they're expanding in Latin America. So it's just mm-hmm. a question of the scale, uh, the, the the scale. Sorry, and sure. um, if the number of clients increase, um, there's not, not nothing stopping us from setting up a base uh, for these markets. Yeah, it's fascinating actually um, to hear you know, the, 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 the factors that you've raised. I think that the key thing for me um, has always been the, the budgets, right? In term, and, and you mentioned it yourself in terms of the rise of Asian brands. Um, what has traditionally driven the expansion of Western-based multinational networks is that they have clients often making those decisions in New York or wherever the global HQ is um, and essentially funding the expansion of these networks globally. Um, And that I think has been the biggest challenge when it comes to um, the growth of, let's say agencies from Asia, you know, Africa, even I I spoke to an by the way, I spoke to a Nigerian agency yesterday, Black House Media. Yeah, I know uh, him very well. Anini. Yeah, Anini. Yeah. Anini. And he said, uh, he, 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 was, he called out Red Hill and said, that's the model we are, we're, looking, <laughs> we're looking to follow. So there you go. Um, but even, even, um, even continental European agencies, you know, in many um, continental European markets, the, the, West, the, the American multinationals haven't competed that effectively. Germany is a great example. Um, but the challenge comes when it when it comes to expanding globally, the the budget, the spend isn't always there to support expansion, right? You don't always you don't see in general. This is a generalization, but you don't see often. You don't see the same level of spend, particularly in terms of public relations. Um, you might do in terms of paid marketing. Uh, but but in terms of public relations and earned media, you often don't see the same levels of spend um, from uh, companies that are, let's say, not based in the kind of traditional powerhouse PR markets. How much is that starting to change from your view? Yeah, it's, um, there is also some changes you have to do internally for you to be profitable mm. in some of the markets that you get into. And uh, I'll address that first and I'll come back to, uh, you know, what you asked. Um, You need to, you cannot set up outposts. You need to set Mm -hmm. up local companies with local people with, you know, who can service a local market at their budgets. The MNC and regional work that comes in your way, it's just an added bonus. Mm. So if you're going to set up in Jakarta, don't set up expecting business from a multinational to, you know, do everything. Mm -hmm. You need yeah. to set up, up as an Indonesian agency with local people on the ground, with you know local registration. You can bid for tenders there. Uh, you mm-hmm. can meet uh, local companies there. They can pay in local currency. Um, so that sets up your local base and you become like a local agency over there. In right. addition to that, what happens is you get the additional budgets from which comes in from regional work from an MNC that your uh, central, gov- you know, central uh, hub has uh, secured. Mm-hmm. Um, now coming back to budgets, so various clients have uh, various budgets. So mm-hmm. the key thing is to, once you have a good local base, you can pick and choose, um, mm-hmm. you know, the clients that pay a better, 
you know, better uh, bang for the buck for their PR activities. There are mm. a lot of companies that um, don't, especially in Asia, who say that, oh, we are a local brand. We don't need so much of PR. You know, we can reach out mm. to media directly. We know how to take care right. of our reputation. Uh, usually they're part of larger conglomerates uh, or groups that have uh, holding into media entities and they know how to, you know, uh, strategize on what kind of coverage they get. But that is also changing. Um, uh-huh. As more companies become a little more tech-led, um, they start uh-huh. uh, highlighting things like, um, you know, worker, more worker rights and freedoms. Um, they are in the hunt for the best talent. Uh, so they mm-hmm. have to position and uh, manage their reputation in a slightly different way. And for mm-hmm. that, they, you know, they, they see that they cannot uh, get this internally. They need to get experts mm-hmm. to come in. Um, right. And that we have seen that, uh, you know, once you start adding value like that, uh, the budgets are not, not that much of an issue. And I don't mm-hmm. the other thing is also PR is extremely sticky. You know, and mm-hmm. that's another thing that we are focused on uh, is that most of our clients are retained clients. Um, mm-hmm. So once you have that kind of a sticky relationship, um, you can then start offering advice and help in other areas that, you know, you, you are good at. So it could be everything mm-hmm. from simple website design to writing content or uh, decks or producing podcasts or videos. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that stickiness element of PR can also be transferred into getting revenue on other aspects as well. Mm. Very good point. Um, it's interesting. The first part of your argument, when uh, sorry, the first part of your your answer when you were talking about the um, the way that kind of you have to focus on the local market budgets first and foremost. You know, I think typically the model for certainly in terms of the Western-based multinationals has been. We have, you know, they have global clients or regional clients that are funding their expansion. It's a, it's a, you know, there's a Microsoft, um, for example, as, as a classic example. Um, what we've seen is that kind of business has slowed down. Many of those budgetary decisions are being made in market. I mean, Microsoft is a, is a very good example. They, you know, they're, they're, they moved their Singapore business a few years ago to a local agency. Um, this poses problems for Western multinationals, I think, because then when they start focusing on local business, they find that it doesn't always meet the, uh, the head office requirements they might have in terms of margin, profitability, whatever the uh, shareholder kind of expectations are. Um, and we've actually seen multi- Western-based multinational networks exiting markets for those reasons, they are at the moment more likely to exit markets than enter them from yeah. what I can see. So the yeah. question for you I have then is, how do you decide which market to enter? Is it, if it's not always being driven by regional or global clients? So it's, um, so let me just, uh, uh, one area I wanted to address in your question was that, mm. you know, our industry is dependent on people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The classic mistake a lot of the holding companies do is that mm-hmm. they parachute somebody in to be the leader of that market. Mm-hmm. And that person right. will be the most highest paid, you know, for that. Mm-hmm. And um, so then they have to sustain that, oh, you know, we need to find clients of this size and this size. So they all 
try to go after this, you know, as you said, uh, large tech companies or MNCs, and that causes, you know, in free market prices to dip. You're willing to take mm. a cut. You're willing to do, you know, this thing, and everybody loses out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the stickiness factor doesn't stay for long, uh, also because well, what is being happening is earlier decisions could be made in New York or San Francisco uh, for mm-hmm. a client. So I, I don't want to name the client, but let's say similar to Microsoft. And I was working in the mm-hmm. Middle East at that time, and the annual mm-hmm. retainer was about fifteen million dollars for this company mm-hmm. for global yep. for global. And our agency wanted globally uh, to manage their team. The mm-hmm. allocation for the entire Middle East and North Africa was six thousand five hundred dollars a month. Wow! Yeah. And uh, so I and a few others in my company, we put our foot down. We said we are covering close mm. to twenty markets in multiple languages: Arabic, French, English, all these things. And this is a mm. huge market for them because they do government mm-hmm. technologies and things like that. Um, you know, large IT infrastructures. Uh, and it's a huge market for them. And this is uh, why is the most of the budget going to the US or uh, Europe yeah. and all these things when, you know, the emerging mm-hmm. markets is where they're deploying all these technologies and mm-hmm. the decision makers in buying is there. So that kind of started, uh, I, I would presume that that happens in a lot other agencies, not just. Uh, where oh, yeah. You, you hear it. You hear it all the time, actually. People get exactly. very resentful about it. Yeah. So then that uh, that started changing the thinking. So if you are mm. this company's head in India, it's like, dude, I am supplying X amount of revenue into this business. Why am I only being, mm. getting this much money to spend on my PR and my marketing? Uh, so that mm. pushback uh, started uh, before COVID. And yep. then yeah, what, yeah, happened, sure. du- what happened during COVID just accelerated it. Because mm. then... You know, there is no visits. There is no this thing. Everybody is equal on a Zoom call, regardless mm-hmm. of where you are. It's the, the quality of the content and uh, value that you add into meetings uh, that matters. And uh, mm-hmm. then, uh, you know, for us as a company, when we are pitching, it was a great equalizer. And that enabled mm-hmm. us to grow rapidly during COVID. And mm-hmm. uh, it, it, that equalizing factor has uh, has speeded up the retreat of a lot of these uh, global holding companies from certain markets um, yep. because the staff could understand they could work from anywhere, um, they could service yep. clients from anywhere, they could get better benefits uh, and these things. So that has um, accelerated it. For us, mm-hmm. when we decide, uh, you know, where do we want to, uh, you know, put our next flag or, you know, get into the market. It is purely led by opportunity. Mm-hmm. So opportunity in two parts. First part is we get a client there or a mm-hmm. global client telling us, Hey, you guys are doing great work in ABC markets for us, but we really mm-hmm. need your help in this market. So mm-hmm. we then find, uh, you know, we, even in the markets that we are not operating, even now we are always looking at talent. We identify talent. Mm-hmm. Um, we look at your uh, 25 innovators list in each market. We observe <laughs> uh, your uh, EMEA awards and uh, all other mm-hmm. awards. So we keep maintaining that, okay, these are people we should engage. We should talk to. Mm. Uh, and then the second factor is the government there or uh, a leading company in market there calls us and says, Hey, can you guys set up a small office here? You know, we have a three month mm. window, you know, I mean, we really want you to pitch for this project. Um, mm. So then that, that really helps us. I mean, I can give you an example, you know, we work a lot with the government of Estonia. I mean, it's, uh, mm-hmm. we've been working with them for years. 
um, you know, mm. their um, e-residency program, invest in Estonia program, uh, several of their, mm. uh, you know, events across the world. So now we are mm. very on the verge of starting our presence uh, in Estonia. And mm-hmm. um, once we have that anchor client um, and people there, then it's just a progression of going and meeting others to build a you know viable ecosystem around you. Mm-hmm. See, the good thing and the bad thing about our industry is it's all about people. So yeah. as long as you have good people, you don't have to get uh, office on Scotts Road or you know uh, or this tower yeah. and none of that matters now. Now what matters is can you deliver results? Uh, they, the clients don't care where you are, and um, uh, as long as you have good people, they can also be anywhere. Um, yeah. There is some amount of visibility you need in in market um, because that assures a bit of confidence in your clients. But other than that, uh, that's just the door opener. Yeah. The holding groups will would say, for example, and not just the holding groups, but also the um, what I call the kind of new generation, the, the smaller networks that have emerged from different places. I mean, mm-hmm. including firms like Red Hill, but but um, you know several from America and the UK that have kind of set up offices, not quite on the scale of the big networks, but certainly in terms of international footprints. But all of them would say our offices are run by locals. And and, I mean, for the most part, they are nowadays. There are some notable exceptions, I think, in terms of the global agencies. But in general, they figured that out. Um, They would also tell tell you or they tell me that 50, 60% of their revenue in a in a market, maybe that maybe that proportion has increased now, mm. but 60 percent comes from local business rather than regional or global business. Um, and yet, when we look at uh, particularly in Asian markets, but also in in continental Europe and increasingly now in Africa, uh, in Latin America, when we look at the best agencies in the market, they tend to be local agencies. Mm. Um, what is the advantage that you think a local agency has over a, uh, a holding group agency? See, there is also the one factor why in several markets um, local agencies are bigger is that mm-hmm. they get a leg up when there is government's bidding for government mm-hmm. work. And government is right. one of the biggest spenders. So mm. if you look at India, our friends at Ad Factors are... You can put all the other agencies together and they won't even come half the size of ad factors. But if you look at their client list, they've got a huge government work presence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, either you are a local company or you are a partnership with some local you know, entity. And things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So uh, the government work increasingly is going to, or government linked companies is increasingly going to uh, local agencies. Right. And, uh, um, you know, several governments that we work with um, uh, because of the geopolitical issues and, you know, things mm-hmm. like that, they have issues uh, where they're taking on something which is uh, in a foreign country uh, controlled. Um, mm. So they, they have that. Uh, they also have the scenario where, you know, for, even for a private company, what happens is that, Okay, we are 
going to appoint X agency here, but X agency's major client in the US is our number one competitor. So no matter how much you say about, you know, walls within the company, not sharing or this or anything, when push comes to shove for that company, priority will be the larger client. So yeah. this also, this also works in the minds of uh, fast growing emerging companies in Asia. Mm-hmm. So they would rather spend more money on a local agency who they know that they can help them and will stay with them than mm-hmm. um, someone um, uh, who might drop them if uh, something happens. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want to take names, but uh, you know, there's a large telecom provider, infrastructure provider who overnight ran into problems with uh, US authorities. And mm-hmm. uh, they had to, <laughs> you know, their agencies uh, just dropped them. You know, hmm. um, uh, because they had to abide by certain regulations and things like that. So, oh yeah, um, yeah, in the US, some, some, yeah, you have, yeah, to. yeah. So some comp- some countries and uh, government-linked companies and homegrown brands, they're very uh, sensitive to that uh, situation arising. Hmm. So they would rather. So that's why, predominantly, uh, there is a shift towards finding people. Um, and service providers, uh, PR advisors, because we get to know so much information about our clients, right? I mean, mm-hmm. after the, their legal department, I think it's the PR department that knows more about a company. And uh, mm. uh, and they talk to us more because we don't charge as much as talking to lawyers. Um, so we get access to a lot of this information and uh, they want it to be, you know, staying with us. Um, mm. And so that there is a long-term perspective into hiring local agencies. Mm. Um, and we see that everywhere. That's why, uh, you know, we just did our first uh, uh, acquisition. We just bought an agency, mm. uh, CCG in Hong Kong. And yep. uh, you know, they've been around for 20 years. You know, Belinda built that company up, lots of government, local brands. Um, so that's, that's our next stage where we're looking at this is the kind of agencies we want to go for. We want to go for local, local agencies. We've built there mm. a decade or two, uh, strong networks. So we are not seen as a new kind of uh, network agency, but Redhill becomes like a platform uh, where mm. people can, you know, t- we take care of all the, sh- uh, the boring shared services, but it's the people on the on the ground that runs run their agencies. Mm. Um, if we if we kind of accept, all right, so there's this kind of classical model of globalization, maybe. Is, is being replaced by something different. Um, it would seem that the conditions are conducive to the rise of um, networks that are based in, let's call them non-traditional mm. powerhouse PR markets, right? Or em- emerging PR markets. Red Hill is a good example. But why are there still so few is, is my question because there really aren't that many. Even if you look from Asia, for example, I will struggle to think of there's there's many many strong local firms who are doing really well in their market and maybe in they've established a presence in another neighboring market but in terms of building a a presence in multiple markets and in multiple regions it's still extremely rare and you look at China, you know, Blue Focus has sold its international operations, mm-hmm. and they always seemed like the most, the most ambitious in terms of building that global network. Uh, and they have the 
clients who you would think would support it. You look at Korea, Korean brands are massive globally, and yet there isn't a Korean PR network that has has, has built a global presence. And you could say the same for Japan as well. Um, so to what do you attribute that trend? Is it is it just a question of maturity? Yeah, I would say evolution. Uh, I think you've hit, you know, you've rightly uh, addressed what we are looking at now in terms of the market situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so it will, um, um, you know, like uh, when you are navigating or trying to discover new lands and things, the first few will fail, some will lose their way, some mm-hmm. will you know, abandon halfway. Uh, and uh, you have to learn from all those experiences uh, of you know why didn't mm-hmm. it work out for them? For the so I spend a little bit of time <laughs> trying to find out why why this is so, and right mm-hmm. uh, the Japanese agencies their problem was that um, they wanted to service Japanese clients abroad and send Japanese yeah. people everywhere, yeah. which is wouldn't work out. You know we've seen agencies setting up in Jakarta, we have set up agencies setting there. They are unable to build an ecosystem around them. Um, mm. They would just, and it, then it's not viable because you're bringing in to a market like uh, Jakarta, uh, you know, uh, Japanese uh, paying staff. With, uh, mm-hmm. So it won't work that way. Korea, the problem was that um, uh, they would all use their in-house or linked. Mm. All the business groups will have their own agency in-house or their link. So they go to a new place. Let's again take Jakarta. So the person mm-hmm. who, uh, handling Samsung will not work with the person ha- handling LG or something else. So mm-hmm. there is no economies of scale. There is no, you know, they're not trying to get all of them under one uh, roof. Yeah. Um, right. Chinese companies, the problem is that they, they are very sales oriented. So they look yeah. at what can give us quarter to quarter, uh, you know, transition in the market or market share. Um, so the, uh, you know, um, if you want to create a business that is like Brunswick or, you know, deep into consulting mm-hmm. long-term and everything, China still has a long way to go uh, to get that. Mm. Their, their, their focus is hugely on marketing tech, ad buys, yep. you know, TikTok videos, all these things. Um, yep. For us, um, then, then there's also the issue of like lifespan, right? So mm. like if Elon Musk wants to send people to Mars, we'll need to send like, like Current technology, we'll need at least three generations to reach there. Uh, mm. to, so if I'm now, you know, when I started Red Hill, I was 35. I'm now 42, uh, 43 this year. And by the time we can reach to a scale of where we want to take Red Hill to, it might take another 10 years. So mm. I, I still have some time. Um, and we've been lucky with uh, the pace of our growth. But there have been so many people before us. It just gets tiring you know, being an entrepreneur mm. and you know, not building that second leg, uh, maybe a missed mm-hmm. opportunity here and there. Um, look, yeah. if Ian Beatty wanted, he could have made Beatty into the, like one of the first mm-hmm. uh, global brands out of Singapore. You know, he yeah. had Singapore Airlines for the longest time. They yeah. did great work. But end of the day, he said, okay, you know what? My, it's my time to check in, check out. Um, and he sold. Yeah. So, um, and it's a, that is a huge threshold of someone starting mm-hmm. an agency and suddenly you're presented with this option where, hey, you remember all this hard work, all these things for the last whatever years or mm-hmm. months, here's a check. 
do you want to take it right. or do you want to continue or do you want to continue <laughs> yeah i've been foolish enough to say no no several times so uh, mm. as long as i keep this uh, going uh, i think we'll get to a level where um, uh, so our north star is to be a global agency from singapore mm-hmm. um, yeah. so that's why we are doing everything in a for a long term vision that will mm-hmm. uh, ensure that we will have a lot of you know companies that we own a stake in a majority stake in mm-hmm. and things but uh, we are localized in all of these markets but all the shared services and everything is run out of singapore and mm-hmm. um, uh, i think yeah sometimes you need foolish people like me to uh, keep banging their head against uh, uh, this but um, you know will we succeed will we fail we don't know we just going to keep trying But yeah i think there is enough people like me who will keep trying i'm pretty sure in 20 years time you'll have a global pr group out of singapore yeah. or hong kong or kl or the new capital of indonesia yeah. wherever it is but that in a way it's it's very simple really it's it's about having that ambition isn't it and yeah if i'm being honest with you there's very few agency heads i've spoken to uh, in asia who running great agencies who have that specific ambition uh, maybe it's because you're a little crazy sure um, absolutely but... i mean that is priority number 1 yeah <laughs> even my wife asked me what why why so i'm reminded of a uh, of a thing what my late grandfather told me he said uh, mm-hmm. jacob you know whatever you do aim for the stars because even if mm-hmm. you fail you land up on the tallest uh, tallest coconut tree So I was like, yeah, <laughs> I'll aim for all of this. But you know, if I look, look, we aim for this global thing every day. But look mm-hmm. at all the byproducts it's given us. We are now the right. largest agency yeah. in Singapore. Who would have thought there'll be a Singapore mm-hmm. agency that is larger than any other multinational PR agency? Mm-hmm. You know, um, in terms of headcount, in terms of revenue, you know, and especially during the COVID. And um, that has been, you know, I mean. So as far as I keep looking at the star, I mean, I think we'll land a few more coconut trees. I'm happy with that as well. Yeah. It, 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 well, look, I wish you wish you all the best um, with your endeavors. I think um, from a you know from a perspective of someone covering the industry, I think it's just it provides an example and an aspiration that hopefully other agencies um, in other markets can learn from. And, and emulate and perhaps even collaborate. We talked about INE at BHM, and 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 you know there are others as well who are yeah. similarly Look, ambitious. You know, I, I told so. I told INE, and I I met uh, Arun in um, uh, Sri Lanka. You know, they are mm. all yeah more capable than me. They've got great ambition. Um, mm-hmm. I even told INE like you are like a Nigerian version of me. because the way we talk mm-hmm. the way we do everything the, how fast he's expanded everything is absolutely like uh, same but here mm-hmm. you know what uh, warren buffett said also comes into play sometimes unfortunately life has uh, placed you in different places uh, or you know yeah. warren buffett said his two, two two three lucky things he had going for his life was he was born in america he was white mm-hmm. he is a male mm-hmm. you know so yeah Right. Uh, all these guys, I mean, Anil, all these guys are great. But I, I think the advantage that I have was that I was, I started this from Singapore, so yeah. things are a little more easier to get going, find talent. Um, that branding mm-hmm. you have as a Singaporean company, 
all that goes uh, a long way. Sure, and and a very good point you made about you know how how important good fortune is, um, and, and we can't discount the role that demographics plays in that too, right? So yeah, Jacob, thank you so much um, for your time. We will, as always, be watching your progress with interest. The rankings will be coming <laughs> out soon. We'll be looking forward to see how Red Hill does in those, and hopefully, um, hopefully, I'll see you in person soon as well. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to the rankings this year. I mean, there is a there is a two things I've always uh, wanted out of Provoke. Uh, I come for every award ceremony and not win anything. So we hope one day we will change that. Um, uh, I, I think I, I remember there was once before COVID. You did win. You won new agency. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, you want that. You want that. But you know, there was yeah. one before COVID. I remember I was sitting on the table and everybody on my table won except for me. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean. I keep yeah. telling people, this is one thing I need to win. I don't care. I'll keep going. And then mm. the ranking is also very important because that's very inspirational yeah. to us. And uh, one of our, I, I remember this is the, when we just started, it's just me, Sureka and somebody else. And I think Mumbrella or mm -hmm. someone was doing an interview and I told them, our ambition is to be on the provoke list. First Singaporean company. Yeah, I remember. And yeah. I was like, yeah, it's been yeah. seven years. We should definitely make it sometime. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's see. Jacob, thanks so much and take care. Thanks. Thanks so much, Aaron. Thank you. You've been listening to the Provoke podcast, brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers.